Hello again, everyone. Welcome to Like Dad, Like Son. Dad and Brady are coming here from rural America talking about things going on in national sports. Today, we're, as promised, we're going to take a look at some baseball. Too bad we couldn't have some current baseball to talk about, but we're going to call today's episode, Who You Gonna Call? Brady, what are we going to talk about here and who are you going to call? So we have decided that you know for today's episode, we are going to pick one pitcher that we would take if we needed a strikeout. One hitter we would take if we needed a hit, and one hitter we would take if we needed a home run. So with those with uh, those kind of rules in mind there, Brady, start us off. Where do you want to go? You want to go pitcher, your hitter, who are you going to call? Um, I'll go with my big home run hitter first. So if you need a home run, whether it's uh, the bottom of the ninth at the World Series, whatever, who are you going to call to hit your home run? I'm going to call Big Hammer and Hank. You know, um, he has... Some may call him the home run record holder. He has 755 home runs um, between his time with the Milwaukee Brewers and Atlanta Braves. And he swatted 20-plus home runs in every season from 1955 through 1974. And then he concluded his over 22 years with the Milwaukee Brewers there. I'm going to say, like, to, to Hank Aaron, who is one of my favorite players of all time, I'm going to say... You know, maybe one of the reasons he did accumulate all those home runs, as you said, 22 seasons. Uh, you got the Milwaukee Braves. You got the Atlanta Braves. You got back to the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, some people are going to say that, well, he played a long time. That's why he hit all those home runs. I'm going to counter your Hank Aaron with Babe Ruth. Uh, you know, a home run king at one time himself. The Babe had this uncharacteristic, like, 11.76 at-bats per home run. So imagine, like... Less than every 12 times coming up. It's about one he, in three series. Right. One in three r- games. Right, exactly. He's going to hit you a home run. Um, you know, just some, some crazy numbers. And back in his prime, like 1919, for example, only five teams hit more home runs than he did that year. You know, um, in the World Series, you know, guys talk about they hit a World Series home run or two. He hit 15 of them. When he went on a barnstorming tour of Japan with some other former major leaguers, 14 home runs in only 17 games. So when you're talking about just hitting a home run, boy, it seems like you'd be a, you'd make a good decision there if I think you went with Babe. Mm-hmm. All right, let's move on there from home runs. Let's go to hitters. And I'm going to start off the hitters here. I'm going to go to Ichiro Suzuki. This is for if you need a hit. You need a hit. And I chose Ichiro because, you know, boy, the power numbers certainly are what some of these other guys are. But I'm with Ichiro because, you know, over the course of two professional careers, he had over 4,300 hits, okay? Never over 15 home runs, but as a, you know, just as a hitter, just, I mean, I think the word machine, just a hitting machine, somebody that was groomed from such a young, young age just to hit a baseball. I think if I needed a hit, he's he's the guy I'm going to call. All right, I'll, I'll counter Ichiro with... One of my favorite players of all time, Ted Williams. He was the last guy ever to hit over 400 in a season, and he did it twice in his great career. And he took, you know, three years off during the prime of his career when he was 24, when he was 27, to go fight in the war. So it's a real shame he lost those great years of his career. Yeah, just, you know, it's hard for us maybe to picture a day to, you know, taking off time, as you said, to go in the war. I don't know. Will anybody ever hit 400 again? No, I don't think so. You know, when you see the, the shifts and the different things that are done now, I think uh, I think that's one of those baseball records that, that, that may stand. <clears throat> All right, we'll go to our pitchers. For our pitchers here, you have to have a strikeout. 
It's uh, to end the big inning. It's to win game seven, whatever. If you need a strikeout, who are you going to go with for that? I'm going to go with probably the most intimidating and feared pitcher of all time. You know, he didn't know where the ball was going, so the batter never knew where it was going. <laughs> with Randy Johnson, who fanned at least 329 batters in five straight seasons. In the last four decades, a pitcher has struck out at least 320 batters in a se- season five times. And Johnson has accomplished all of them. Consecutively, his you know, K to nine during his half decade was 12.33. So if he goes to nine innings, he's going to get close to 13 strikeouts a game. Yeah, just uh, that big left hand coming out there, you know, well over, what was he, uh, you know, 6'9", 6'10", something like that, coming with that big left hand delivery. You know, as you said, even he didn't know where I was going. And and I respect your decision there, but I I don't think that I I don't think he would be as good as Nolan Ryan, the all-time strikeout leader, five thousand seven hundred fourteen strikeouts. He actually came out roughly averaged a strikeout per inning, and he was striking people out when people didn't strike out much. For example, like in nineteen seventy three, he led the league in strikeouts. With in the league, there were twenty thousand three hundred fifty eight strikeouts. Last season in baseball. Batters struck out over 42,000 times. Jeez. So twice as many. So like I'm saying, he's striking out people that that tried really hard not to strike out. You know, just his other all numbers, the, the, the no-hitters, of course, we know he had seven no-hitters. But there were 68 times where he, led, where he uh, held the opponent to three hits or less. You know, I think uh, strikeouts being a big part of that, boy, if I had to have a strikeout, I think I would have to go with, with Nolan Ryan. Hey, thanks for listening again today. Um, We appreciate uh, everybody tuning in. We'll try to be back to you next weekend at some time. We'll try to go back to the NBA, and uh, we'll see at that time what we have to talk about with the National Basketball Association. Thanks for listening again. Take care. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Like Dad, Like Son. Dad and Brady coming to you again from Real America talking about some of today's issues in sports. Today we're going to take a look, we're kind of flipping back towards the NBA, and we're going to take a look at all-time best NBA coaches. And Brady's going to start us off with I with one that I think Brady is probably a no-brainer. I don't think he's going to be much argument with this, but who are you starting off with today? With all this Last Dance documentary going on, I'm going to have to go with Phil Jackson. You know, Jackson is, I don't even think, an argument, one of the greatest coaches of all time, nine championships, he's a coach to prove it. He won two as a player, and you know he had Kobe and Jordan, Shaq and Pippen. He had those guys, but you cannot deny 908 and 418 losses in 18 career. You know 703 winning percentage, which is the highest ever. I think you're exactly right. If somebody's going to argue, they're going to say, "Well, hey, it'd be pretty easy to be a great coach with Michael Jordan or Scottie Pippen or Kobe Bryant or things like that." But I think one of the impressive things uh, for a coach coaching that type of talent. It's just being able to make that all work, you know, making sure all those uh, all those personalities, all those egos kind of mesh together. So, yeah, just real impressive um, with with what he's done as, as a head coach. Since you've taken Phil Jackson, I'm going to go with, I think, could probably be the number two is going to be Craig Popovich. And Greg Popovich is a five-time NBA champion. Um, you know, coached a lot of USA basketball. He had some good players with himself, like Duncan, Robinson, Ginobili, Tony Parker, guys like that. But just the, the consistency that he had, um, you know, just uh, throughout the years there w- with the Spurs, it was just kind of the model of consistency, impressive streak of 
playoff appearances, and as I said before, his five NBA titles. He had eight over 1,800 wins uh, himself. So, you know, maybe not quite the winning percentage of Phil Jackson, but an impressive amount of wins. All right, and then for my second coach that I would be choosing is Lenny Wilkins. The all-time leader in wins as an NBA head coach, you know, you have to – you have to coach for a while to do that, and he coached for 32 seasons, coaching the Sonics, Blazers, Cavaliers, Hawks, Raptors, and Knicks. You know, compile the record, 1,332 wins. You know, he he had quite a few losses, 1,155, winning percentage of 536. You know, but he got the job done, and he won the games. That's going to be my argument with you with Lenny Wilkins, is the winning percentage is not that great. 500 compared to... You said Phil Jackson around seven hundred. You know why do you think? You, you got to tell me more, Brady. Why why is he on this list if he's only got barely over five hundred winning percentage? I mean, you know, he coached a lot of teams. You know, he's had. I mean, you coach for a while, you're gonna have some losses. All right, I'm gonna go back the uh, kind of a little back in history a little bit to Red Auerbach, legendary coach of the Boston Celtics. Just an impressive streak of. You know, at one point, nine out of ten NBA championships, I think at one point, eight in a row. And that's going against some pretty impressive Laker teams uh, at the time. And he's able to accum- accumulate over 1,400 wins. I think 10 players of his went on to the NBA. Some have gone on to some coaching uh, success. One of the big things Red Auerbach a lot would say, kind of responsible for breaking that color bear in the NBA. You know, uh, drafting an African-American and just kind of taking that step, doing a lot of things like that for the NBA. All right, my last coach is going to be Larry Brown. And Brown is called the best coach at getting the most out of bad teams. In his 25-year career, um, he had a record of 1,240 wins and 910 losses, winning percentage of 577. And he's the only coach ever to lead a team to a college national title and an NBA title. That, that in itself, I think, is pretty impressive. To, you know, I think that's almost two different styles. They're leading a college team to a lot of success and the NBA team to a lot of success. Um, you know, the teams like the, the Jayhawks and the Pistons and, and teams like that leading the, those those championships. I'm going to finish up. I'm going to go with uh, Pat Riley. And Pat Riley was in NBA Coach of the Year three times. Again, had the luxury of coaching some pretty impressive athletes, Magic Johnson, James Worthy, you know, uh, Coach Shaquille. He was responsible, I think, as a GM for working with LeBron. You know, five NBA championships there himself. So, uh, nice job as a coach. He's gone on to do some good work as a GM as well. Um, but it's put together an impressive career as well uh, with, uh, like I said, those numerous coaching wins that, that he has had. Nowhere in our list here, Brady, have we had anybody that I would say is, outside of Red Auerbach, is from the early part of the NBA. And why do you think so many of our names have come up more in that 80s, 90s, early 2000s? I think because coaching has become so much more important um, in today's NBA. You know, you have so many different strategies of how to play people. You know, guarding a guy like James Harden today is going to be very hard to do. You're going to have to be a great coach to kind of formulate a plan around that. To, you know. so, so, so let me ask you this, if that's so much important today. Why do you think neither one of us picked a guy like Steve Kerr? You know, why is Steve Kerr not on the list? You know, he's, you know, he's had incredible talent you know, on his roster ever since he got there. You know, Curry, Clay Thompson, you know, they went 73-9, and nine, and then they signed the second-best player in the world, you know, that summer in Kevin Durant. 
you know, he's he's won games and he's got a great winning percentage right now, but he's had great players if, to if, do it. If we do this again in ten years, does he make the list then? Yeah, I think he does. I think he will. Who 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 else does? Outside of Steve Kerr in today's NBA, who else is going to make the list? Um, you know, Doc Rivers. On the, I think the Clippers can be successful here. I think Doc Rivers can maybe sneak on the list. You know, and it's hard to tell. You know, Mike Budenholzer might make it too if Giannis can get a few rings or, you know, where Giannis goes. But I think Giannis can be pretty dominant in the next few years here, you know. So we'll find out. All right. Thanks again for listening this week. We'll hopefully be back with you next week when we flip on back over to the NFL and talk a little bit about the National Football League. Hey, thanks again for listening. Take care.